I, being a PhD, can sometimes be a bit partial to academics and the importance of research. But my guest today has an incredible depth of real-world experience in showing how research is valuable for all organizations, not just the ivory towers. While Dr. Sue Carter-Kale's expertise really isn't around volunteering, I think today's episode applies to nearly any organization. The idea of understanding how we can leverage research, what research even is when you're not a scientist. The concepts of developing metrics that truly matter and thinking about how you make sure that your metrics are driven by your mission and what you need rather than your actions being driven by the metrics you happen to be collecting. And I think many of us sometimes get that structure a little backwards. So I'm thrilled about today's guest. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Regardless about whether or not you have volunteers, um, I think you will really find an incredible amount of benefit. Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, the podcast where we explore the human side of analytics to amplify the impact of nonprofits everywhere. With me, your host, Alexandra Mannerings. On this? All right, there we go. Very fancy and formal. Ready? Yes. I am very excited to be joined today by someone who's got a great academic background as well as real life experience in data and nonprofits and especially volunteering, which I'm really excited to get into today. So I am going to introduce to you Sue Carter Kale. So please, Sue, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, thanks, Alexandra. So I have spent my career working in nonprofits and I've had a whole variety of roles along the way, ranging from program to fundraising to PR and communications. I served on boards as well as an executive director. And right now I've been focusing um, on my research and consulting uh, work that I do through Sue Carter Kale Consulting, um, as well as writing a blog, which is called Volunteer Commons. And sort of the central themes of my work now are really about talking about the contributions that volunteers make to the organizations where they serve, and also helping reveal the sometimes invisible dynamics that are influencing nonprofits and volunteerism. So it's kind of this marriage of of the academic side as well as the deep practitioner side. Which I love. Um, the number of times that I sometimes see academics stay only in academics and really kind of lose touch with what's happening on the ground, but then also the number of times people on the ground really want answers and academics is oftentimes a great place to get that, which is why I'm so excited that you bring both of them together. So. One of the things that I'd like to demystify for folks, you know, if, if you're not as comfortable in the academic space, this concept of research can be a little bit hard to really wrap your head around of like, what actually do we mean when we talk about like research in the nonprofit space? So do you mind talking a little bit about what research really means and, and what that should mean for nonprofits rather than an academic? Mm -hmm. So one of the, the definitions that I like is from Robert Keegan, and he talks about research as an organized way of wondering. And one of the reasons I like that is because it just seems really accessible. Um, we all have questions about our work. We're all constantly looking around and saying, you know, is this the best way to approach this? How might we improve? What kinds of things do we need to stop doing? 
And what I like about that is it, it brings some thought and intention to the questions. Um, you know, how can we go about finding these answer, answers in methodical and organized kinds of ways? And so one of the reasons I've liked that is because it feels a little more accessible and not kind of scary, big and expensive, like most definitions come across. I couldn't agree more with that definition. I love it. An organized way of wondering, because aren't we, we are all full, filled with wonder about things and these questions and to just say, well, here might be a, a more efficient way of, of doing that wondering or a little bit more structured way. The other thing I like about it as well is I think sometimes uh, when you bring in the concept of research, people sometimes feel like, oh, well, you couldn't research what I do. You know, that, right. that somehow there's like, you do research on science and I'm not doing science. I'm, I'm a people person, I don't do numbers, but everyone has questions. So mm -hmm. if you can have a question about it, then you could do research on it. That's, right. that's the requirement. Mm -hmm. I love that. So how can nonprofits actually use research to help them? Yes, I think first and foremost, it can bring some clarity around, are we doing what we set out to achieve? Um, so all of us have some sort of mission that we're trying to achieve. We're all trying to reach either some audience um, if we're serving people or it might be um, animals or the environment. And so research gives us a structured way of saying, are we doing what we set out? And sometimes we're asking how much are what, you know, what's the amount of what we're doing? But I think also, um, particularly as you were saying, you know, some people are like, well, this doesn't apply to me. Um, research can be just as much about what is the quality of the work that we're doing? Why is it important that we're doing it in the way we're doing it? How do we help other people understand our work? I feel like to some extent asking how research can help is a bit of a trick question because the answer is everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Any question that you have, there is possible to construct a research project that could help answer that question. So I may lead us down a little bit of a rabbit hole with this one, but I loved what you said about, you know, every nonprofit exists for a reason and research can help you identify, are you accomplishing that mission? Is the way that you're doing it the best possible way? But I also have a lot of conversations with people where they go, oh, well, the thing I'm trying to solve, right? Like it's too big for me, you know, to measure that I'm making a difference in it. So what would you say about, helping apply research to these sort of like big gnarly social problems? Yes, that's really the million dollar question, right? For so many of us, because th the reality is that most of us have some kind of connection to those big, the, the wicked problems, right? And so I, I kind of see two things happening. One is that um, nonprofits are doing a lot of good work and they say, well, you know, we're just influencing this part of a child's life, for example. So we really can't claim that we say helped them graduate um, or we can't really claim some big long term outcome because we just had one piece of it. And so what happens is they don't claim any part of that. Um, that's one danger I see. Um, the other side of it is, is, you know, saying we can't do anything at all. Um, because like you said, because it's, it's complex. And so I think um, one of the things, one of the things I try to do is work with organizations to acknowledge what it is we can do and what it is we can't do. And to say, even when we don't have clear cut answers sometimes about the work that it's, it's still worth asking the question, talking about what we are influencing, 
talking about the ways we come to know why that influence is important. Um, and then not only to tell the story about that, but also to bring it back internally and to ask the question, you know, does this change, is, did what we learn make a difference in how we deliver the service? Is there some sort of change that we need to make? And so I think that um, oftentimes research or evaluation kind of outputs are given externally and they may or may not be relevant for a lot of organizations. Um, and so how do we get to a place where what's being required externally can be meaningful for internal types of decisions and the way we organize our work? Oh, there's so much good stuff there. I'm having to frantically write notes to make sure I remember to ask you about all of it. I mean, the first part you touch on sort of two different kinds of research. There's the very specific research to your organization, you know, which a lot of times I think people don't realize is actually research. We talk about it as being like key performance metrics or you know, your, your um, program evaluation data, but that is research that it, you asked a structured question, you use data to get an answer that helps you understand you know, information to help you know, that, about that question. Right. Um, but there's also broader research, and this is sometimes what is more familiarly recognized as research, where you said, if you've got this big gnarly problem and you're gonna own this one piece of it, rather than just being like, well, we can't change the whole thing, so we won't bother seeing, you know, measuring if we have an output, if you actually do research to say, well, we can't guarantee a child will graduate, but we know that students who have, I don't know, a mentor through high school are 3% more likely to graduate. So that's the part we're gonna own. And we're gonna do research to show that they are slightly more likely to graduate. And therefore, when we can show that they have a mentor, that's the part we're, we're owning. Do you kind of, is, is that a fair breakdown on different kinds of research? Yes, and I, I think that's a helpful way too, to think about, you know, sometimes, well, a lot of the time organizations don't have the time or expertise or money to do the longer term or the deeper kinds of research that um, you were just talking about. And so when organizations have been able to do that, it's helpful to know what kind of research, uh, what, what does the literature tell us, um, not just on the academic side, but also there's some really great uh, reports being written by um, people like you, you know, who are doing this kind of, you know, sharing their findings, who are doing it um, on a practitioner sort of level. So how do we find out what's already been done? What can that tell us about our work? And is there a way for us to sort of borrow that to say, well, we can't necessarily prove that uh, what we do, X and Y, will lead to Z. However, other research indicates that it improves the likelihood of Z happening. And that is why we have taken the approach we have. And so I think that that's another way to, to um, provide sort of an entry into the kind of work. And then maybe even by discovering those kinds of research reports that are out there, um, ha having that come back and think about how do I craft um, a, a more thoughtful question for us? Are we asking the right questions? And I, I have to say one of the things, because even still people will be like, well, I don't know how to read research papers. I don't know where I would find that. And I have to say, one thing you will know how to find is a grad student. Like the number of grad students I've talked to who are like, I really want my project to mean something. I don't want it to just sit on a shelf and collect dust. You would be doing a grad student a favor if you reached out to your local college and said, I have this question, you know, about X in my field or Y in that field. And you you find, found the department in your college that 
is related to your particular topic and you offered a research project or even sat down to a discussion and said, can you help me with, you know, a lit review? And you'd be surprised how many of them are, would be quite happy to take you up on, on that. So if you, if you need help with it, that's my recommendation for that. Um, you know, one of the other things that you talked about there as well is, is measuring the right thing or asking the right question. And how often, you know, you may be required from an external funder to provide data that maybe is not quite aligned with what you're trying to do. So can you speak a little bit to how nonprofits can, can work on asking a good research question or making sure they're measuring something that really is going to matter? Mm -hmm. Great question. And I think that, um, you know, even sh shifting it like you just did, you know, from getting to the right research question, because right's relative. Right. Um, and so, you know, how do we get to better research questions? Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of us, um, that can, we've almost been trained, if you've been in the nonprofit sector for a while, we're almost trained out of that because everything is about how do we align our work with what funders want? How do we answer what our donors care about? And um, we sometimes go, hold on, what matters to us? And so I think getting to those um, good research questions are looking at, again, our mission. I think, you know, almost everything can come back to the mission and the purpose of the organization. Mm -hmm. And instead of thinking, you know, what matters to the people furthest from that mission? Mm -hmm. How do we go straight to the source? And so um, if we're serving kids, for example, in a mentoring or literacy program, like we were talking about, what kind of things matter to those kids? Um, a lot of times we, you know, as adults, we're thinking about they successful in school? You know, what kinds of uh, grades are they getting? What kind of behaviors are they exhibiting? Those kinds of things. But we haven't necessarily asked, um, you know, what matters to the kids? Do they feel confident in the classroom? Do they feel like they have something to contribute? Um, are they on the flip side feeling ashamed because they can't answer the question or they don't know how to read uh, the, the words on the board yet. And so thinking about, you know, who is closest to our mission and what would matter to them. And then we can kind of work out from there. I think about it as almost this target um, with the mission at the center, you know, so we might also thinking about uh, the teachers, we of course are thinking about the families of the students. Uh, we might think about their neighbors or broader communities in which they live. Um, and then we also are thinking about our staff and volunteers. How are we supporting them in this work? Um, our board members might come further out. Our donors might come further out. Um, and whoever the audiences are that, that care about our work. But I think that what that does is it shifts us to um, getting to research questions that are going to unfold different elements and kind of dimensions of the work that we're doing and helps us tell a richer story about that work. And again, getting not only at how much of it we're doing, but really the nature of, of the work that we're doing, the quality of it. Oh, absolutely. And I love that idea of the concentric circles. I think you know, keeping your mission at the heart of it and why you're doing it is so important because also, I mean, if you're doing research right, you're going to use the what you get out of it to change what you're doing or it's going to guide the even the very discussions that you're having about this and i think a lot of the writing you know i was reading a bunch of your blogs and a lot of them that were talking about what we measure in volunteering we like to count volunteer hours or the numbers of volunteers that we have is a really common thing and of course the problem with that is if that's what you're counting then you think that's the part that 
that matters the most, like the number of hours that you did. And so therefore, if we have these hours, then more hours must be better. And then you end up with these like targets that are based on just the fact that it's, all of that was driven not by a strategic initiative, not because someone actually sat down and figured out that more hours was better, but because that was what was measured. Right. And then sort of the whole yes. thing backwards, right? We collected right. data and we decided that question mattered rather than we decide what the question is and therefore then collect this data. So I, I think you hit on so many important points there about centering on the mission and how do we serve the people and the communities and, and the, the causes that we care most about. And that's what should direct what we collect. Now, of course, that's easier said than done. Right. <laughs> if we're honest. Yes. So, in your experience, like what are some of the most common barriers that keep nonprofits from doing this great work that we're talking about with, with data and research? I think part of it is that we haven't really created the conditions for success. Um, it's, it's more than a nonprofit issue or more than a nonprofit decision. So there are lots and lots of people saying we should have more research that decisions should be made based on data and that everything should be evidence driven. Um, when a lot of work that nonprofits are doing, one, is innovative in the first place and you have to innovate to get to the evidence, um, not the other way around, uh, although they certainly can be informing each other. And so I think part of it is that we've got lots of folks saying we should do this, but the um, number of folks who are providing funding for that uh, building that into grants when they give, uh, supporting uh, the development of expertise or connecting people into um, either consultants or uh, academic programs where you could create these partnerships where the, the um, research could happen. I think also the perception of it that it seems like it's big, expensive, long-term, and maybe um, not terribly relevant. That I think there's this image of we now have collected this binder of evidence that sits on a shelf and gets dusty. And, you know, what do we have to show for that? Um, and, and sort of another layer to this issue is that a lot of times when research does happen from an external source, it, we've gone in and said, well, you know, we've, we've looked at a particular community um, with questions that weren't determined by the community and without really the community's input and we don't report back to them. And so in a way it feels very extractive and exploitative um, the way that it's been taken care of. And so I, I'm really excited, I'm still learning quite a bit about it by these um, shifts to participatory uh, and action research um, that are collaborations between the community, as well as the researchers that develop together. And I, th I think one of the things that that shift um, can yield is to start countering some of those barriers, right? Um, it makes it a, a project that's co-created by the community and the organization and perhaps some third party like an academic or somebody else who's um, doing this work like a foundation. And so I think that, you know, there are lots of ways that we can um, address those barriers, but recognizing that it's not just a nonprofit issue. And I think the other piece I'll add um, is just, you know, we still are dealing with this idea that overhead in a nonprofit is a bad thing and evaluation will look like overhead. And so until and unless we start to appreciate that nonprofits need research and development, nonprofits need marketing, uh, we need fundraising because people just don't give us money without us asking for that. 
um, until we start to appreciate that all of those elements are part of an effective uh, nonprofit, um, I think we're going to keep tripping over these barriers. And those are some big barriers, but there is some positive movement. You're exactly right on that. I was a couple months ago having a discussion with with someone in a nonprofit about participatory data. And we had this sort of great brainstorming session about what are all of the possible kinds of participatory data we could get. And it was cool because it, it went from just, you know, how can I have some participatory data in my evaluation to, well, wait, if I collect that kind of thing, it's going to bring them in like they, they'd have ownership on how this was going to do and it was going to then inform and, and it becomes this like it expands the number of people who are stakeholders like true stakeholders and owners of your process and then it's also interesting that so many of the challenges you described are not necessarily unique to the nonprofit world right, right? they talk about how many data science projects are failing in businesses right because executives are like, well, I don't see a direct ROI from this. And it's kind of mm -hmm. right back to the overhead. Well, it's just overhead. Like, what do you have to show for spending money in that area? But it's because the impacts are much longer term are not necessarily a direct dollar to dollar impact, but the fact that now you were able to improve a program, right, or reach new people or expand ownership or whatever that that might exactly. be. Exactly. So no, those are those are great things for people to be aware of. And some of them can be shifted just by understanding what we mean by research, right? And bringing down mm -hmm. those barriers of perception, but some of the rest of them are gonna need some external addressing. And and like you said, funding, right? the number of grants that are like, well, we're gonna require these metrics, but we're not gonna give you any additional dollars to give us those metrics. Right, there's a magic fairy that will come make the evaluation happen, apparently. Yes, the evaluation fairy must live with the kitchen cleaning fairy. Yes. <laughs> doesn't happen. <laughs> They are in cahoots together <laughs> and very secretive. Exactly. So we talked, like I said, there's there's some that are just changing a perception. There's some that are going to have to be addressed by outside people. What, though, could be a few things that nonprofits could take action on now? You know, what things that they could control to sort of tackle some of those things or, or move their own organization's approach to, to research and data a little bit further along? Yes, I think part of it, um, it makes a nice uh, tandem effort with strategic planning. A lot of organizations are already setting goals and defining their values and talking about what they want to achieve and perhaps hanging some numbers on those kinds of things. And so how do we know if we've been successful? How do we know if we've achieved those things? Um, pairing in some evaluation and research with that can be really valuable. And thinking about, well, you know, maybe we can't do a randomized control trial. We probably can't. Um, it may not even be appropriate. You know, we talk about the gold standard, but it's not appropriate for everything. And so how could we ask these questions? How might we answer these questions in thoughtful ways? How can we do that consistently over time? How do we um, build in a process so that we're going to be checking in, say, in three months, six months, or whatever time frame makes sense? And so, you know, we already have a habit of doing that sometimes with our strategic planning process, sometimes in a program process, sometimes as part of a grant. How do we adopt those behaviors and say, oh, we could expand this out. Um, or how do we maybe go back to a, a funder or, or grantor or the board and say, we think that we could go deeper here. Um, these are the kinds of resources that we would need to do it. You know, you probably don't have to hire someone full-time within the organization that's just out of reach for the majority of small, medium-sized nonprofits. But there are ways to do a particular project or to do a, a kind of 
get a system set up perhaps with a consultant or, um, or a student um, or a volunteer who likes this kind of work. So where do some of the partnerships um, exist and how can we build on what we're already doing? And most organizations are doing something. I think moving data and research into something that becomes a standard strategic practice is a critical change. Right? Uh -huh. Including it in those discussions, you're absolutely right. And saying, okay, not only are we going to think about our programming for the next six months or our fundraising plans for the next six months, but we're also going to think about our research and our development and the data that we need to support all those other things we just talked about, right? You need right. You need data to be saying if your marketing is working, you need data to know if your fundraising is working, and you need really true research to help understand if the programs that you're investing in are the most effective programs to invest in. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, making sure that it just becomes sort of standard operating procedure rather than like a once off is, is a key change that can be made. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to touch on some of the really cool things that you talk about in sort of expanding how we think about what we measure. And we touched briefly on it earlier with, you know, with volunteer hours. And we talked about mm -hmm. how measuring hours might not be the right thing. But what are some things that would be better to measure? And you could say specifically in volunteering or maybe just other things that we forget are actually really key things for us to pay attention to. Right. Well, and I appreciate the chance to kind of talk through that, because I think one of the things that's happened is that reporting volunteer numbers and reporting their hours, um, sometimes hanging a price tag on the value of their time using a rate calculated, say, like the one from independent sector, um, that has become the de facto industry standard. And as a result, like you were saying earlier, you know, now we think that those are the things that we have to collect. Um, and it's kind of the volunteer version of mission drift. We start collecting the things that are easy rather than the things that are meaningful. Because when we talk to volunteers, and if you think about your own service, what's meaningful to you probably wasn't that you served 16 or 700 hours. It was about connections that you've made or something that you learned or a chance to connect um, in a deeper way with an organization whose cause you love or have been a part of, all of those kinds of things. And so I think um, part of it is thinking about, you know, how do we shift this from what we've been told to collect to thinking about what is it, again, let's come back to our mission. What is it we're trying to achieve? and how are volunteers contributing to that? Too often I see, you know, we've got one set of organization metrics and then we've got this thing over here on the side that tell us about volunteer data. And so I think um, by looking at the ways that we link those two together, so how do volunteers contribute to the mission? How do volunteers contribute to our operations? That might be a number of clients served. It might be in a percentage of uh, programs offered. It might be in locations or audiences or neighborhoods that, that they can reach as a result. So I think those are some of the pieces there. I think also connecting in um, the qualitative as well as the quantitative. So sometimes volunteers can look, be more impactful than even a paid staff member. If you think about people who are fundraising or volunteers who are advocates, they are seen sometimes as more trustworthy or genuine because they're coming at this um, without getting the big bucks uh, like the paid staff are. And so how do we talk about the nature of the work again? How do we match up qualitative with the quantitative? So we might tell a story about something our volunteers have contributed to and then saying, by the way, we're doing this with so many other kids or, or this many families, whatever the case may be. And I, I think the other piece of it is um, 
allowing ourselves to acknowledge that we just can't capture everything that's going to happen with volunteers. Um, first of all, it's happening on multiple, le multiple levels. So there's the volunteers impact on the participant or client, uh, the experience of service they're having, how it influences the organization, how it influences the agency at large. So there's lots of different dimensions. Um, and so one of the things I've been encouraging folks to do, for example, too, is to move away from using measures because that sort of narrows our focus in on the things that we can count. And then it makes us think that we should count or we have to count. So I've been encouraging them to say, you know, let's talk about indicators or data points or information even. Sometimes that's more accessible for folks who say, oh, I don't like numbers. Well, let's talk about information. But most of us are dealing with that a day in and day out, right? Instead of talking about measuring, could we talk about revealing or capturing volunteer impact? And so sometimes it's the language that we use can lead to a, a shift um, in our mindset and also you know, shifting the way we've been collecting, if you think about those concentric circles um, and connecting that in with mission again, the volunteer components can be pretty powerful, I think. When I think back to one of my all-time favorite volunteer groups that I was part of, for it's called Volunteers for Out Outdoor Colorado and we, VOC, and we used to help build trails through mm -hmm. state parks. And yeah, I agree. I, I must have spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours across all those projects. But I don't care about that. What would be cool for me just to know, like, how many miles of trail did we build? How many people have used those trails that I helped build? You know, how many parks did we impact? And the interesting thing is those things that matter to me also matter to the nonprofit. Yeah, well, that matters to VOC. That's how they they should be measuring their success. I don't know if they do now, but th I think that's how they should be. And And going back to your point of aligning even if it seems like, okay, volunteers have been sort of over here in the past and how we've treated them with the metrics that we collect, coming back and saying what is connected to the effectiveness of our organization and then also what matters to the volunteers. Just like you said, what matters right. to the people that you serve, what matters to your volunteers? It, like it, that two-way street is so important. And I mean, I've been guilty of being involved in, in data collection projects where we it's all about take, right? I need this data and you're gonna give me this data and I'm gonna use it for my thing rather than being like, okay, you are giving me something or you're lending me. I think data should be lent, not owned, but mm, like right, they're, they're lending us some data. Could What can we do in return to share data back to them that is helpful or you know create that connection? So I agree thinking about how else can we capture through surveys or through sharing circles or through sort of the less quantitative and, and bring in some of that qualitative stuff as well for the stories. Like it all is part of that information and big Right, part. exactly. And I have to say that goes beyond just volunteering. Volunteering right. is not the only space that kind of gets the short shift. I think it's a great one because I haven't heard it talked about, but it happens in many other places as well. Mm -hmm. So, well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a really fun conversation. I feel like I've learned some things that I'm definitely gonna take into how I talk about data and metrics with folks. So thank you for sharing all of your expertise and wisdom. If folks wanted to follow up with you um, or connect with you, what would be a great place for them to, to find you or reach you? Probably the Volunteer Commons blog, which is at volunteercommons.com. And I think uh, I'll share the link with you so you can share that also with folks in the show notes. Um, and Or you could go to suecarterkaleconsulting.com if you're interested in some of the other kinds of consulting I'm doing. Absolutely. Well, I like I said, I read a bunch of your blogs on Volunteer Commons and I enjoyed all of them. I thought they were very insightful, very well written. So definitely going to recommend people check that out because... I think you'll enjoy it just as much as I did. 
So thank you so much for your time today, Sue. Thanks a lot. I appreciated the opportunity to talk about it. I loved how Dr. Kale talked about research is an organized way of wondering. Because when you're not a geeky PhD like me, research can feel so out of reach or incomprehensible even, and certainly not intended for you know, everyday organizations that are on the streets working hard. But we all wonder. We all have questions that we need answers to. So understanding how we can apply research to those questions and how we can make sure that our metrics really are always driven by our mission and by those that we serve. I think that's so, so important. So thank you again for in for joining us today for this incredible discussion about research and metrics that matter. If you do need help trying to figure out what metrics you should use, I mean, Dr. Kale has her own consulting business. Definitely feel free to reach out to her. We are linking to her website in our show notes at heartsolddata.com. And also, that's something that I support at Miraconos as well. So there are some incredible resources for you if you want to get started figuring out how to align what you measure with why your organization exists. So, th say, so thank you and take care. You've been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Miraconos an analytics, education, consulting, and data services company dedicated to helping nonprofits amplify their impact through data. Learn more at miraconos.com, M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com.